0: Two days before Flag Day and the United States flag is desecrated. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. This is the Brian Sussman Show, Faith, Family, Freedom. The desecration occurred at the White House. It was a big pride event. As you know, June is Pride Month, not just in the United States of America, but now around the world. And June 14th is Flag Day in the United States of America. So thanks for being with me on The Brian Sussman Show. More on me at briansussman.com. We'll talk about this desecration of the flag in just a moment. I'm going to give you a history of the American flag in just a moment. I'm going to tell you why flags, also known as banners, are so important. You see, what Joe Biden allowed for as this pride event was taking place at the White House, what he allowed for, was symbolically putting the United States of America and its flag below a new agenda. The agenda represented by the pride flag. You know, we're surrounded by flags and logos of all sorts every day. But most of us rarely stop to consider what a flag says about the people that it represents. Joe Biden, president of the United States of America at the white house. This is, this is the people's house chose to place the pride flag in a position whereby it desecrated the other flags. Now, what am I talking about? Well, there's a United States flag code and It's very, very specific. I'll read to you the portion of the code that was violated by the Biden administration purposefully. It says, in a group of state, local, and or society flags, the pride flag would be a society flag. In a group of state, local, and or society flags, the American flag should be flown highest and in the center Other flags should not overshadow the American flag in any way. So what we saw at the White House, and it's all up at bryansussman.com, you can see it for yourself. There's the White House, there's the huge pride flag in the middle, and on each side of it, the American flags. While they all appear to be about the same size, the positioning of the pride flag clearly and purposefully made it seem larger and bigger and more prominent and more preeminent. You know, the flag of the United States of America powerfully embodies the heritage and history of the United States. And we've been setting aside a day to commemorate the adoption of the United States national flag since 1777. And what we do, we're thinking of those who fought to defend this nation Represented by the stars and the stripes and the field of blue. And by the way, I should just note again, uh, the Bible itself speaks highly of flags when they're used in proper context. You might be surprised to know how often the Bible actually mentions this topic just under different names than you would expect. Instead of a flag, it's usually called a banner or a standard or an emblem. But this was a big deal, not just in terms of the societal message that was put forward to the world regarding where America stands, but I think there's a very significant spiritual component here. I will continue, and again, thanks for being with me. Let's start with the story behind the Star Spangled Banner Because really, that banner is star-spangled, right? We've got the red and white stripes, and they do have incredible meaning. And then the field of blue with the 50 stars. Each star, of course, representing one of the states. The red color in the stripes represents hardiness and valor and courage and readiness to sacrifice sometimes it's also said to represent the blood shed by those who have fought to protect our freedom and our country but if you look back to the original clearly it was the color red representing hardiness and valor and courage and readiness then there's the white the white stripes or strands as they're oftentimes referred to stand for purity and innocence pure because we are independent from other countries First nation on the planet to do this, without a king, without a monarch, without a, an oligarch, without a dictator. First country. And the blue, where all the stars are, signifies justice for all, vigilance, a uh, vigilance I should say, perseverance, a reminder we must remain watchful and strong. We took that red, white, and blue and made it subject to the pride flag. I'll get into the story behind our star-spangled banner in just a moment, but I just want to let you know we're faced with flags and commercials and statements and public events endorsing pride this month. And a lot of Bible-believing people are really not sure what they should be doing at this point in time. They often feel they need to do something or say something to either say, we're with you, we affirm what you're doing, or to say, I don't agree with this. But Pride Month has grown from obscurity into a major cultural event, Particularly in the United States of America. There are parts of the world that don't participate in any way, shape, or form, but the developed world certainly does. In America, June is designed for this celebration. It's a celebration of non traditional sexuality, it's a demonstration of gender expression. And as with other cultural issues, oftentimes Christians find themselves torn regarding. The best response for pride month because there are many christians who feel it's important to stand for biblical ideals and they should feel this way they feel they should not celebrate what in fact the scripture condemns what does the bible say it's interesting this is called pride the bible's very clear vanity and the pride of life are the worst of sins We ought not to celebrate what the scripture condemns. Did you hear what I just said? Very, very important. Pride events presume that behaviors and attitudes once considered immoral should be embraced, even cheered, rather than being criticized. Events such as parades, and rallies, of course, are common. In San Francisco, the the parades have really calmed down. I remember, gosh, when I was working in television, uh, we would send crews, this is, you know, San Francisco television, 80s, 90s, and uh, early 2000s. We would send camera crews to the various, uh, the, to the Pride Parade in San Francisco, which was one of the biggest in the country. And literally, the camera men would come back showing all of the video that they had shot, which was not airable because it was just so sexual. You know, they, they'd say, you, you wouldn't believe what I just shot. Come into this booth and take a look. And quite frankly, it was shocking. I believe the pride parades have settled down and become a little bit more hmm, under control, so to speak. But that's where we are today. Parades, rallies, common pride flags, the pride month, heavily commercialized. Many companies now incorporate Pride Month imagery into their packaging and their commercials and their press releases and social media and on and on and on and on. And even though it is obvious pandering, if you say anything contrary, you are deemed a hater. Well, I'll get back to that in just a moment. But as we continue here, I want to give you the story behind the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, Of course, you know what I'm talking about. Well, that's, that's the national anthem. Oh, we'll say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. You know, we sing this before football games, but most people have no idea what they're singing about anymore. I'll give you the backstory in just a moment because it's beautiful. Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched, were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare and the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? And people usually think that the last two, ball, last two words of that, just, of, that, of that verse are play ball. <laughs> but it continues. It continues. And I'll read the continuation in just a moment. There were actually four long verses here. We usually only sing the first one. But this was a rainy September 13th, 1814, and British warships sent a absolute downpour of shells and rockets onto Fort McHenry in the Baltimore Harbor. They pounded the American fort for over 24 hours. The bombardment was actually known as the Battle of Baltimore, but it came only weeks after the British had attacked Washington, D.C. They burned down the Capitol and the Treasury Building and even the President's House. Most people forget about this. It was another chapter in the ongoing war of 1812. Well, a week earlier, Francis Scott Key, Francis Scott Key was a 35-year-old American lawyer, had boarded the flagship of the British fleet just offshore from Baltimore on the Chesapeake Bay in hopes of persuading the British to release a friend of his who had recently been arrested. So he, he goes out to the fleet and uh, you know, he's I guess a pretty well-to-do lawyer makes it onto the ship. He's asking for the release of his friend. His tactics were actually successful but because he and his companions had gained knowledge of the impending attack on Baltimore, they just happened to go out there as the the attack was in the brew. The British didn't let them go. And they decided that they would guard these men and not let them go back onto land. So under the scrutiny of the Brits, Key watched on September 13th as the barrage of Fort McHenry began about eight miles away. Here's what he said. Quote, it seemed as though Mother Earth had opened and was vomiting shot and shell in a sheet of fire and brimstone. But when darkness arrived, Key saw only red erupting in the night sky. And given the scale of the attack, he was certain the British were going to win this one. And the hours passed slowly and the bar- bombardment uh, continued. But as the smoke cleared, quote, in the dawn's early light on September 14th, he saw not the British Union Jack flying in victory, but the American flag. It was an American victory. And he took out a piece of paper and a pen while still on the ship. And he set some words to a very popular English tune. His brother-in-law was commander of a militia at Fort McHenry and later they were able to read Key's words and they all started to make copies and distribute it. They called it the defense of Fort McHenry. The Baltimore newspaper, it's called the Baltimore Patriot, soon reprinted these lyrics and within weeks Key's poem, now called the Star Spangled Banner, appeared in print all over the country immortalizing his words, and forever naming the flag it celebrated, the Star-Spangled Banner. It's interesting, by the way, the National Museum of American History at the Smithsonian has, has the flag. They have the actual flag on display. I've seen it, and perhaps you have as well. It's been on display since 2008, I believe, and it is absolutely beautiful. Very, very dramatic. Let me go to the fourth verse from our from the Star Spangled Banner. And I'm going to try to read this with the proper cadence in which you would sing it. Again, we always sing the first verse, but we forget there are three more. And there's probably a reason why we don't sing the other three verses because they don't roll off the tongue the way the first verse does with the music. But here we go. It says, "O, oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Can you see how this is giving glory to God? The heaven-rescued land. No one thought that these former British citizens would ever be able to make something called the United States of America. Everyone, even people in, in, these, um, in these colonies, thought that the Brits were going to take them down. It was a minority of the population that actually thought they could pull this thing off. I think when you look at the statistics, it was about a third of the population was for war. People just didn't think what would happen. A heaven. Rescued land. Now listen, I know we've got our share of problems, especially right now in the United States of America. But this country has been a beacon of hope to the world. This country has spread out the good news of Jesus Christ across the planet. Millions and millions and millions of people have found hope because of that good news. And that all came from the United States of America. The the patriots who founded New England, not the Carolinas, the Carolinas where the, the slogan was, damn your soul, grow tobacco, and might I add, use slave labor to do it. In the Northeast, those patriots, those pilgrims, those saints, wanted to create, for example, a university like Harvard, as they did, to be a beacon of hope to the nation, train young people, Educate them thoroughly in all subjects so they can go out and reach the furthest ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the goal. A heaven-rescued land. Praise the power that had made and preserved us a nation. I'll continue. Then conquer we must when our cause is just. And this be our motto, In God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. In God is our trust. So when you see that flag, the United States flag, being placed in a lesser position to the flag representing pride, if I use the word abomination, of course, I'll be harshly criticized. But from a political standpoint, that's an abomination from a patriotic standpoint. That's an abomination. And I didn't even say anything about the moral. The story behind the star spangled banner. I just want to wrap this up on the Brian Sussman show podcast. What should be the proper response for this pride month? Are you going to fake it and say, cool, that's awesome, great. Transgender kids, I'm all for it. What do you do? Really? How do you do how do you do this in a loving way? Because if you're a Christian, you've been called to love others. I would say the best Christian response to Pride Month is polite non-participation. Followers of Jesus should decline to have anything to do with Pride events. We should speak the truth in love. When given an appropriate chance, you can read Ephesians 4.15 about that, and it's good to articulate why we could not endorse ideas or assumptions behind the promotion of pride. Listen, my, my, my wife and I have done this on other subjects over the years. Uh, we've gotten into discussions with people about abortion. They know where we stand, and we stand uh, firm in our convictions, and in fact— Um, adopted children to prove it. Well, not to prove it, but our adoption of children proves it. And we can have loving conversations with other people, sharing our convictions, and challenging theirs. I remember the many times, uh, many years ago, when my wife and I were quite young, and we'd have friends come over. We were living with each other. They'd come over for the weekend, and we'd say, Hey, you know our position on this? Uh, you'll sleep in that room, you'll sleep in that room. I don't remember anybody saying, ah, crap, we're not staying with you. I remember them going along with the program because they respected us. We We were walking the talk. We did so in love. They respected us. We were taking a stand on a moral issue. So it's good to articulate why you cannot endorse ideas or assumptions behind the promotion of pride. We should avoid giving worldly culture exactly what it wants. They want ammunition with which they can falsely accuse those who believe in the gospel with hateful intolerance. You know, many will be offended by the truth, even when it's spoken with humility and love. You can go to 1 Peter 4, verse 4 and look at that. But that doesn't mean their conflict is with you. That means their conflict is with God. So here's my point in closing, my friends. And I'm just going to quote something to you from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, which I just referenced, which says this. If you were insulted for the name of Jesus, you are blessed because the spirit of gl- glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Very strong, very strong, friends. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteousness, excuse me, and if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Uh, Taking a stand oftentimes has a cost associated with it. We want to do this in love. We want to do this with decency. And we want to do this with conviction. And we want to be people who walk the talk. Friends, I continue to pray for the United States of America, and I hope you do as well. God bless you, my friends. Don't forget to fly your American flag on Flag Day, June 14th. BrianSussman.com, more on me at Facebook, Brian Sussman Show, and my Instagram feed for daily doses of inspiration, Brian Sussman Show. Until next time.